you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why, you know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Blowouts, shootouts and upsets. It's a tipster's worst nightmare and we weren't immune. So if you're like us and need a little treat after a long, hard Easter weekend of footy tipping, head on down to the Yorkshire Hotel in the corner of Langridge Street and Punt Road in Abbotsford. With a couple more days off next week, it's a place for a great feed and a great place to watch the footy as well. Now... In coaching parlance, it's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems in footy. But there's one thing you can rely on, and that's big bustling Baz next to me to have a take on all the action. So how was your Easter first, mate? All the pleasantries. It was good. Watched a lot of footy. Great. Bit of rugby as well. Oh. Bit of uh, EPL action. Got up over Manchester United, which was good. And Yeah, so anyway, good weekend for me. Collingwood won. Uh, a bit of ponies as well. It was all good. So yeah, good weekend. Good long weekend. Back at work for two days and another long weekend. Oh, the life of a tradie. Absolutely lovely stuff there. You're refreshed. You're, you're realigned. You're ready to pick some winners. Hopefully, yeah. We didn't have you know, the great... Well, we did all right. We still, yeah. still came just under breaking even. But we still tipped five tips, and I reckon that would have won most tipping comps. So. Yes. Well, I'm still winning all my tipping comps. I mean, or at least uh, equal first, so I'm pretty happy at the moment. You used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my... Now, you weren't happy on the weekend, so obviously our first segment off the top is always get Baz on the blower. Yeah. You did slide into my Facebook DMs and say, I need some space, I need some time, yeah. and remind me to talk about Adelaide. So you can see yourself reminded, the floor is now yours. All right, so I've got a few teams I want to talk about. Firstly, Adelaide. Yeah. I smelt a bit of arrogance about them in that third quarter. Yeah. They obviously had, you know, any bets 300th, and it wasn't all their players there's a couple in particular and, and I know I've uh, picked on this player a few times I'm going to presume it's the big uh, moustachioed captain Mr Tex Walker yeah he had a, he had a shot uh, on the boundary line just reeked of arrogance and just insult to Gold Coast and there's a few other things that happened after that with a few other players like Brody Smith and a few others they just looked like they were taking the mickey a bit and I know that Gold Coast were putrid and pretty much you know cones on the weekend yeah. for that game and it was a big occasion for a few of the boys, you know, playing in their milestone games, especially Eddie Betts, and he played a fantastic game. And But just that third quarter, it took the gloss off a bit. And then was, I messaged you that. Mm. And then funnily enough, I heard the next day, a few of Adelaide, uh, like, you know, um, ex-players and stuff in the, in the game call actually said the same thing. So I mustn't have... Didn't make uh, it up. Yeah, yeah, didn't make it up. There's a few other... So just be... You know, for a team that's only won one game this year and they beat a pretty average team on the weekend and they were, they were really, really poor Gold Coast, just want to be a bit careful, LA, because they're not as good as they think they are. They've got a few issues down there. And uh, to beat up on a, on a bit of low-hanging fruit and then to start getting all up and about is uh, just just be wary, especially this week, going into this week. So, Especially after that first quarter, I was very, very annoyed. I've never been so invested in a, such a poor first quarter of football ever. We obviously did have the cheeky Gold Coast to lead at quarter time Adelaide to win overall, yep. and we were we were we were pretty close. It was nine to three, so it was yeah, a bit like we were one kick away yeah. in Collingwood, and there was a there was a kick pretty much you know in the twenty eighth minute for that goal as well for Adelaide to kick it. So it wasn't a great start, and then after you know second quarter they blew them away, yeah. and third quarter they took the P one double five, and that's where you, know, you can get a bit carried away with those things, and we've seen with a few other clubs as well. So. Is Adelaide, uh, yeah, just be... Just check yourselves before you wreck yourself. Yeah. Adelaide, in the parlance of uh, gangsters before us. So that's Adelaide done and dusted. The other thing I had was key defenders who go forward. Now, can you remember a key defender who's gone forward and has been successful for a long period of time? It happens a lot going the other way, so yeah. key forward's going back. back. Yeah, once they lose their little spark or whatever, they yep. can so, use their foot forward now yeah, and Tarrant, read Jones, the play. Yeah. etc. It it's happened a lot. But... Uh, Darcy Moore is probably another one that's gone back and really, you know, taken his game to a new level. Sam Reid should probably do the same. Yep. But you can't, I can't think of a, a back, key backman who's mm. gone forward and gone to an elite level over a long period of time. And it's a, it's a difference in mindset. So it's very easy for forwards to go back because they're used to the patterns. So they almost have an, 
they almost have a mind reading ability on their forward now. They know that what well, they did. Whereas a backman has always been used to reading the play. And there's no, nothing against backmen. No, but backmen's but, but backmen's they're not are, as talented that's as a right. forward. Yeah, backmen's are analysts. Yes. They are responsive players. Yes. And forwards are creators. They they have that spark. They have that little something something that means they can get space and do magical things. Don't get me wrong. If a, if a key back can go forward and you know. Might have a run of ten games or something, yeah. a bit like a McDonald, for instance. Mm-hmm. And but he should be playing back. And it just reeked on the weekend when Melbourne got getting absolutely smashed again. That he didn't go back. They put him on a wing, but he should have gone back because their defence was getting smashed. And same with the doggies. The doggies are playing Norton up forward, and yeah, he had one really good game. But they've got Shucky and a few other players that they should be trying and, and persevering with down forward. Not Norton. He's a key back. He's a pillar down back. And again, they were getting smashed on the weekend by a couple of, you know, big fours in McKay and McGovern and Kasbot played out of his skin. I just don't understand that, like, you're robbing Peter to pay poor. You want him forward, like, with McDonald to kick your goals, but they're not kicking goals. Hmm. They're not having an influence on the game forward. So and it also robs them of the ability to get the ball forward in the first place, which I'll get to onwards about yeah. which teams are doing it well. And the teams that are doing it well are the teams that transition well. So you, if... You can't kick it to McDonald when you need McDonald to be the guy who's kicking it to yeah. himself. Yeah, so put put them back where they belong, where they play their best football. You might be able to stop a team from scoring for starters, mm. and then you might work your way forward. And who knows, you might want to pl- change your forward up a bit differently. Do what some other teams are do- doing a bit differently with their forward line. Play smaller, play the, the um, hybrid, do what you've got to do. But boy, just put the player where they play their best footy and leave them there. I, I, I guarantee you, Melbourne will put uh, McDonald behind the foot. Tomorrow night in yep. the Anzac game, and I, if Freeman or Do- I mean, again doggies against Freeman on the weekend, if they don't start Norton back with their key prong, you know key forwards and how they went last weekend, then they're going to be in trouble as well. So, just coaches out there, just play your players in the best position. Makes sense. Yep. The other one that I wanted to start have a crack at is I've heard a lot about West Coast Port Adelaide this week. Yep, how Port played dirty footy and all that stuff. So. We'll go, we can go through the stats probably in your next uh, little little segment, but West Coast are generally pretty poor at contested footy and that sort of stuff. They get beaten in that in that situation. Yeah, they get you on the outside, they get you into interceptions and uh, you know intercept marks in the forward half. It was bucketing down in rain all day Friday in Perth. It was wet during the game. It was pissing down in rain. So Port, you know, played wet weather footy. West Coast rocked up with a bit of. Uh, Arrogance, where the premiers, we could probably go through this eighty percent win. And I, th- I think that's a bit of a wake up call for them, and we'll probably see them respond this Sunday. But the overreaction from the commentators about Port Adelaide's win and how they went about it was wet weather footy. They just surged it forward, and they just did what they needed to do to, to kick goals and, and win the game footy. West Coast kept trying to flick it around like it was dry weather footy. They weren't a hundred percent mentally because I think they already know we're going to finish top four. You know, they still got to do a lot of hard exactly, work. Yeah. So I just need people just to calm down about that win. Oh. Go, go back and watch it and just realise that, you know, yeah, they beat them with some really good you know, key indicators, but it was wet weather footy. West Coast went 100%. They were playing a lot of dry weather footy stuff. Yeah. Now, do you reckon the Bucks are taken out of context? So this is the this is the launching pad because Bucks had obviously interviewed. They said, oh, did you check out that game? They absolutely smashed West Coast. How crazy is that? And he was like, no, I did watch that game. But I need to watch it again. And that was like the end of his quote. And everyone's like, did you hear that? Bucks is watching it again. Well, no, he needs to watch it again because he needs to work out. Did they beat them via system? Or is it because of what you said? Did they beat them because of circumstance, condition, and mental aptitude? He did not say, Port and now have worked it out. Port have cracked the code. I need no. to go and work out how to yeah. play like Port. He said, no, no, I need to watch it twice. I essentially said, I'm not convinced. Some of the footy shows were lauding their kick inside 50 that will just hack balls mm. off a, you know, in a wet game but literally pick up and hack forward and they'll you know, inside out torpedoes or yeah. dribblers and stuff and they're going oh look at their fit in a dry day try doing that and on purpose good luck to you mm. A it won't come off all the time and B it's dangerous because you can turn it over and you're going to get hurt the other way there are plenty of other teams doing exactly the same thing in dry weather footy <laughs> getting smashed so and after Buck said that, you know, all the footy shows were talked to. Uh, Geelong, Geelong's coach Scott was uh, spoke about it, and he said that you know I've, I'll have a look at it, but I don't think there's really much you can tell from a the wet weather and b TV. And mm. Leon Cameron said he'd already watched it, and really the wet weather played a big part. So mm. you're looking at AFL coaches who have said, you know, yeah, wet weather played a part. 
Buckley was probably watching at home on a Saturday night like I was and goes, I might have a look at that again and probably realise, well, actually, it's probably a bit of an overreaction. Anyway, that's my... I've got it off my chest now. I feel a bit better. There we go. Lovely. I'm going to get something off my chest too. Oh, Melbourne has to stay in the cone, surely. No. They're going in the cone. Yeah. Because they were not officially in the cone. They're going in the cone now. Because so, every... I do not understand how many minutes on mainstream football media can be spent on this team. This team is a joke. And every time I tune into things like On the Couch or Talking Footy or Footy Classified, they keep telling me that they're crap. We know they're crap. They're bloody crap footy. You're in the cone. Do you hear that? That's my favourite cover of Simon and Garfunkel, The Sound of Silence by Disturbed. And it is disturbing how much we spend talking about Melbourne. Until they put up, I'm going to shut up about the Melbourne Demons. Can North join them then? North no, they're, they're already in the cone. North are getting away with it at the moment because of... Because every other team is more spectacularly bad than yes. they are. They're just being well, mundanely bad. They're as, irrelevant. As Wayne Carey put it, and uh, was there another... Someone else, I think uh, Carolyn Wilson said it as well, they've become irrelevant and no one cares about them. Yeah. Spot on. And if you've listened to us over the last two and a half, three years, we probably agree with it. Second thing about getting you on the blow is we'd like to take you to Coach's Corner. Ugh. Just Coach's Corner. I've, 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 I've taken on the feedback, mate, from yourself. Thanks, mate. Makes you feel uncomfortable being called a super coach, even though, you know, you are the running premier of the, uh, the VAFA on the 19s. But anyway, so I've done a bit of a deep dive on the stats. It's a big enough size pull now after five rounds, 45 games, to work out what some key indicators are. And how you can kind of build a winning team. It won't. This won't tell you who's going to win the premiership. It's not going to tell you who's going to make finals. But it's more week to week. If you compare the two teams, if one of the teams does these four things better than the other team, there's a fair chance they're going to win the game. And it's not what you think, in my opinion. So everyone's about six six six. Everyone's about winning it from the clearance. Everyone's about scoring heavily. In reality, at the moment, it's kind of the opposite end of the field that matters first. So number one thing that you need to do in this current environment is have pressure on the ball carrier. And that papers over all cracks. So we saw Gold Coast win early. We saw St Kilda win early. We saw Brisbane win early. And they did it by just making sure that whenever someone else gets the ball, they're on them. Especially St Kilda. That's what they've done best. Because like, they're not elite at anything other than outnumbering at the source. And then they just hassle you. And they just hassle you more for longer. And they did that to Melbourne and made them look second rate teams that work both ways hmm. and put in that effort and intensity the non-negotiables the stuff you don't need talent for hmm. just need you know hard work and determination that that should be yeah the base point just set up some structures to look after themselves yeah. if you're going to rock up on game day have that intent that hunger and like I said you don't need to, you don't need to coach this it's just from within yeah. it's what the players need to do as a group yeah. if they bring that then 9 times over 10 you'll stay in a game of footy for Pretty much the whole way. Yeah. And then it becomes the 10 percenters coaching, skill, bit of X the factor, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's if you don't bring it, then you get thumped. And that's what we saw on the weekend when a lot of teams didn't bring it. What that brings, though, the pressure on the ball carrier, it, it allows you to play to your defensive structure. So when you have pressure on the ball carrier, you get those dump kicks from the opposition. They start bombing it long, put it on someone's head. So we see people like get sucked into this at the moment. Sydney getting swamped at the, at the source. They try and dump it on Buddy's head. It doesn't work. No. Melbourne gets swamped at the source to try and dump it on anyone's head. It doesn't work. Yeah. And then the other teams that are really good at the top of the ladder at the moment, Geelong, St Kilda, GWS, West Coast Miners last week, Collingwood, just mop it up. They play their structure. They let, it, they let their intercept marker roll off their man. They take the easy mark and then, then they go out the other way. And so it's winning it there... Forcing the error by pressure and winning it in defence, there's been better indicators than winning it at the source and kicking it forward. Because well, the teams that have been doing that well, your Melbournes and other things like that, Bulldogs, are wasting it going forward anyway. Well, so just on that, so St Kilda had a game plan that they saw how 
easily Melbourne have been getting opened up. They saw how poor they are going forward, and you know, as one of the teams of leading inside fifties, that they've, they've Melbourne have you know not been able to score. So they set up for that. They set up for all right. We're going to get the footy in defensive fifty and absolutely burn them the other way, and they just cut them open. They made the ground big as what they all showed last night in the footy shows. So they had they had uh, not eighty not. I think it was over eighty points in turnover scored against them on uh, on Saturday. Um, was it Saturday, yeah, Saturday in uh, the Melbourne game, and then Sydney Saturday night were the same. They had majority of their scores from turnovers because Richmond did pretty much the same thing. They got the footy back and then just went full surged gas. it yeah. forward, you know, put that hunt and that pressure on them, and the outside leg speed of you know Shire Bolton and Baker and Higgins and. You know, stack and Bolter those young blokes we've been talking about like stepping up and adding some enthusiasm and bring that hunger and passion back and yeah it shows when you look at the doggies as well you know Carlton you know smashed them again on turnovers and just wanting that ball and, and around the clearances you know something that the doggies are generally good at is their clearance work and stoppages but Carlton smashed them at that and beat them on the, on the spread mm. as well so Carlton had SPS and, and uh, Cripps had more clearances pretty much up midway through the third quarter than the whole Bulldogs team as a whole. Mm. So that shows you something about, you know, defensive pressure, structures. And Carlton have been defensively doing it really well this year. The defence we've talked about is, is getting better. It's just been other areas of the ground. But it clicked for them on the weekend. And, yeah, doggies again couldn't, couldn't, yeah, couldn't, couldn't change with. it. And they couldn't finish as well. Yeah. But, yeah, that's another thing. So once you get the ball in your back 50, you have that mark, then it's on you to control the pace... And that's the bit where I think people get confused because at the moment everyone's very upset. Robbo went with, you know, footy stuff last week because there was too many kicks and marks and teams like Collingwood are ruining the game and teams like West Coast are ruining the game. Well, they're not because those teams actually pick and choose. So, again, the top teams, Geelong, GOS, Collingwood, West Coast, they go and they go, we're going to chip, we're going to chip, and then we see the gap and then we go, and then they go fast. Yeah, they're all the runner running yeah. past off the take that little... Mm. 30, 40, 30 to 40 metre kick on the 45, someone runs past like a Trelaw or a, a Dangerfield or something like that who's yeah. got that explosive pace. He moves another 5, 10 metres through the chain, which allows the... Because a lot of teams, I noticed yesterday, and I've been to a few footy games the last two weeks, it's been more one-on-one, but there's some teams like Geelong who are still setting up a, a bit of a zone. Mm. So they're letting their player have a couple of metres. So that's what was good for Hawthorne yesterday was the AI that hit that that spare because he had space or they kicked it long to advantage and uh, was it Mitchell and um, uh, Roughhead were bringing the ball to ground and then they were beat him and beating them at the, at the ground level ball which is what kept Hawthorne in the game for a long time in the end also at the stoppages for Hawthorne they were smashing them mm. but when once Geelong started evening that out that's when Geelong got on top because their forwards were way more dangerous and quicker and yeah you know, Hawthorne's undermanned defence. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a pace control and definitely, like, certain different styles of defence is happening at the moment. And mm. Most teams are one-on-one, but there's still one or two teams that are playing that little zone defence. And then the last one to be absolutely... This is almost the key indicator. So when choosing between the two teams at the top end of the level, it's about inside 50 efficiency. So it's all about... do Can you... Not so much do you kick straight, but can you find that easy option inside 50 and again that's teams like that separates the top four from the top eight yep. and that's where like everyone's overreaction port makes no sense same with Essendon it's like they go they surge but they're surging so quickly it's just get it in there the same with I think Doggies and Melbourne have won the inside 50 counts every week this this season yep. and not won enough games to make it count it's, it's a you don't actually need that many inside 50s anymore you just need to make sure you find the marks yeah, you, you find it you make, make it a good kick because if anything now Turning it over in that 50 to 55 zone is the worst thing you can do because then you, everyone's committed forward and they burn you on the opposite way anyway. Yeah, and that's what happened that's what happened to Brisbane the last two weeks. And it's happened to a few other teams recently where, you know, they, they've, and Essendon probably prime example of that. They, they move the ball so quick, they go so hell for leather. And they've played teams the last couple of weeks that aren't as good defensively, so they've been able to score. But if you can't this week, probably against Collingwood, I'd hope they're going to bring that pressure and intensity mm-hmm. that. If they do turn it over and they do butcher it like they did earlier in the year, they're going to get scored heavily against. And that's Melbourne, Essendon, possibly, you know, and so yeah, exactly those sorts of teams. Doggies are one, yeah. You know, can't, can't kick 100 points against the Doggies on the weekend. And the week before, we only kicked 70 odd hmm. because they played this real Dow sort of a game. So, yeah, getting lots of inside 50s isn't necessarily 
a key indicator of, yeah, if you're going to win the game. It's all about the efficiency. So there's your, yeah, your four factors, just to recap. Pressure on the ball carrier, absolute, non-negotiable. Then your defensive structure, pace control, and your inside 50 efficiency. If you use them, much like you do when you're trying to do your form guide for, for the horses, you blend it in with the matchup. So you go, like, does, does it suit the track? What's their, what's their recent form? Uh, and where, where's their on pace? Are they yes. on pace, midfield, Speed, back? Yep. Do all those things, roll it together. Most of the same with footy teams. Work the matchups, and then and then work your angles, and you can usually find a pretty good reason to go with an underdog or, or a favourite or whatever it may be. Time to preview our round six action. Ups and alerts, 50-50 picks, and our sure things. And as always, we'll start with the upset alert, which I think... This could be an upset alert. It is in Tassie, which is the only thing that prevents it. But you saw Hawthorne on the weekend. They are undermanned. So Hawthorne are hosting Colling- uh, Hawthorne are hosting Carlton. Hawthorne are obviously a dollar thirty-one favourites. Carlton after a big win and cracking the hundred are three dollar twenty-five outsiders. They're playing down at Launceston. The line here is only twenty points. Is this an overreaction to their big win in the Vernicombers on the weekend? Yeah. Just straight up, they can't repeat it. No, Hawthorne. If Hawthorne play like they did yesterday, they've got Carlton covered. And even with Crips, Walsh, yeah, SPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get straight. I'll get straightened back. Uh, <laughs> SPS played the game of his life. So can he back that up? Crips was very good. Casbolt was very good. There are players that Mackay. Mackay has been good all year though, but he's yeah. been carrying the four line by himself. There are blokes on that on that on the weekend for Carlton who had their best games mm. uh, Fish was another one Gibbons you know even Jack Silvani had a really good game now the key is can they back it up now they celebrated they didn't, they didn't celebrate as hard as other teams have they, they, they weren't to Melbourne levels of celebrations but yeah. they, they were definitely excited up and about and, and even, so they should be Yeah, how, not, how could you not be exactly and that's fine they're allowed to be they're allowed to be excited you know, they've won the game they've kicked, they've kicked 100 points for the first time in bloody 500 years yeah you know, well done but and they're allowed to celebrate I'm not against celebrating trust me I'm just yeah, yeah. but just again four more stuck up if you celebrate a win too big the following week you're generally going to be on a bit of a downward curve because you know you just get a bit ahead of yourself or you enjoy it too much so Cripps said after the game that he was looking forward to having a few drinks that did concern me he did actually let it slip and go oh, we'll be having a few beers tonight yes so that, that, that's not very that's not very oh this is round five yeah so like, good on them they had a big win it was and they were under the pump all week and they had to respond and they did and well done and they had a good win but for me I think Hawthorne are still tracking alright to just sneak into the eight they've got a pretty good team still the young players are playing well the older players are playing like Ricky Henderson played an amazing mm. game again I just think that yeah, it's still too good for them. And it was a very strange game, in my opinion, of the Hawthorne-Geelong one because it fl- they flipped game plans, essentially. So Hawthorne all year have been a score from turnover team. Yep. And in some games, it's 100%, basically, of their scores. Yesterday, they barely scored off turnover. They only scored from source. Yeah, well, that, they, they smashed along, especially in the first half at, at the clearances. Well, they did, but then... Selwood had more clearances in a in a quarter in the third quarter than Hawthorne did as a team. Yeah. So I don't think that winning that winning that contest is sustainable. They'll beat because them on the outside. They're beaten on the yeah. And, so, they're, and they're going forward very very smartly, and that was because they were picking apart Geelong's own. If you if if Carlton can replicate their clearance work from the weekend. No. I, I, I you can't see Cripps. Cripps has been solid or like beyond solid. He's yeah, been yeah, Brownlow medalist probably form, good form so on. Yeah. Walsh in, in rising star form and unprecedented numbers. Yep. Pace to be on the outside. You've got Mackay clunking it up forward. Hey, you saw him, you've seen him for the last three years. Yeah. They're not about to string two wins together. I don't think Hawthorne have been that good. I think they're a lot better than Carlton at the moment. And Probably. I'm, and if, oh, let's put it this way, if, if Carlton beat Hawthorne this weekend, yeah. I'll go to the next Carlton game dressed up in full Carlton kit. Alright. That's how confident I am the Hawthorne win. There we go. I'm going to just leave it at that then. I was going to make a bet about Carlton, but that's a way better one than I was going to make. So let's move on to the next game then. Now it'll be Sunday afternoon, the big one for Baz, because he's angry about this. Geelong, $1.43 favourites at their fortress, Cadinia Parker, hosting West Coast, $2.70 outsiders. Many have said that this is already the grand final preview. 
The line here is 15.5 in Geelong's favour, the over-under 160. In a year of upsets where coaches think that only one thing is certain, and that is uncertainty, can Geelong make this the fortress again? Or are the Eagles going to make come with a point to prove down in Geelong? I'm tipping the Eagles just from pure game style versus game style. And the fact that I want to bounce back for last week. And they've had a bit of you know, a bit of media scrutiny a little bit. And you know they've had some media, uh, some game footage put up on on some of the footy shows that probably wouldn't be good for watching for some of those players. Mm-hmm. And so we think that GWS and West Coast play a pretty similar sort of game style. And I, I believe that that's the sort of game style that the John don't want to come up against. I think... Also, I just don't see for Geelong who can take their tall targets on a good day. And even though, yes, it's a restricted ground, it's a lot skinnier, and the West Coast outside run probably won't be as effective, I still think they've got a really good midfield, and, and Gaff has been under the pump as well this week with Sheed, and their, their forward line as well, and a few other players, I just think they're going to bounce back. And this game, if not, if, if West Coast don't win, it will be within two kicks either way. I mean, it'll be a close game, a bit like the GWS game, but I just think West Coast... Uh, we want to bounce back. A, B, can Geelong's young players keep performing at this level consistently? Because at the moment they're they're playing some good footy. So, so which ones do you call their young players though? Because a lot of those ones aren't aren't young, young like Carlton Young. They're mature recruits they're, or crossover yeah, they're recruits. They're experienced. So you, know, you uh, obviously not, not, Graham Myers was, was awesome yesterday. Like mm-hmm. he, he really stood out. Um, Mark O'Connor, Tom Atkins, you know Jordan Clark, Jack Henry, like. Parfit had a quiet game. Sav was, you know, in the comp- really competitive and stuff. Guthrie came back and was really, really good. But again, it was their top four that led the way. Like his Kelly, Ablett, Dangerfield, Selwood. So you keep saying that at Geelong, though. But like, surely you want your top four to lead the way. And when you say it wasn't, yeah, but, it wasn't, it wasn't a burden, a burdenful game. So like Selwood played a quarter. So he was playing outside. He's still got 32 touches know, where he's like, been getting 15, 20 a yeah. week playing his role. But they were getting smashed, so he was had to go. So back he rolled inside. in, yeah. But how often are you going to keep getting... Like, Reece Stanley got his, got his colours lowered by McAvoy. Mm-hmm. That's probably more consistent than what's going to happen. And, you know, it coming out against Vardy and Hickey, they'll double-team him. How many? How, how often can Ryan Myers play that, that role like he did on a weekend and keep being consistent? I, I don't no, think... but if he's sitting in the ballpark there and the rest of their players maintain... Because Danger probably has about 20 to 25% improvement on what he had yesterday, on yesterday. He's had he's 30 touches and... But in terms of, in terms of effectiveness. Because out, out of the big three, really only seven... Kelly, Ablett, Dangerfield all kicked you know, multiple goals. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was Stanley... The only other, oh, sorry. Obviously, Gary Rowan kicked four, but he only has five, ten touches a game. And they've got a perfect match-up for him in you know, Shepard and... So I, even if McGovern went to him, so I, I just don't think that. Don't get me wrong. I think Geelong probably going to finish top four or five this year. Yeah, they're going to be there or thereabouts. But at the moment, I just think it's too top heavy for them. And there's the young ones are still. It's a bit like Fremantle. Their the guns are playing well, but when they don't, which we saw after round one for a couple of weeks, when the guns were playing good footy but it was underneath and wasn't playing as good a footy they were a bit more inconsistent yeah. they got beaten they just beat St Kilda then last week all their guns fired all the other you know Tabern and that all fired as well and yeah. they, they smashed the AWS it's going to be like that this year when a lot of teams have a good 5 or 6 don't get me wrong the guns yeah 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 if the blokes underneath it, like for instance Carlton's a perfect one so you look at their guns in Crips and you know, Cruiser and Mark Murphy and probably Kate Simpson and, and Jones like yeah. they're, they're probably the top five or six key players Mackay you can probably put there now if they play well the rest come with them yeah. the rest have to come with them and, and be on that like they were on the weekend to get a win if they don't if SBS only has 15 to 20 touches and floats in and out of the game like he has the last three years they don't win that game against the Doggies so you need to have unless you're a top top team like your West Coast or your Collingwood or you know GWS where but wouldn't you suggest that, based on the, on the sample we have this year so far, that Geelong aren't that top team? They're on top of the ladder, A. Yeah, but yeah. B, they've scored the most, they've conceded the least, they're smashing people in contested footy, they're smashing, passing... They are, they're the number well, they, one contested they, footy they team. They weren't on the week. They, they weren't on the for, weekend, for but they were every other week before because they didn't need to because they were scoring from a different and way. They, and GWS knocked them, knocked them off. And it was apart from probably the first quarter against GWS. Yeah. GWS pretty much... Have that game in the next three quarters, hmm. but they're not going. They're not. But West Coast aren't going to win in the same areas that 
GWS did. GWS won that game because their mids were better than Ge- than Geelong's mids. West Coast mids are pretty damn good. On the outside, though, not on the inside. They're not going to win that source ball, are they? They get smashed in that. They get smashed in clearances. Yeah, they're not a good contested ball team. Yeah. But they get them on the... Anyway, I just believe, it's my opinion... That's that fine. I, I can't see... Look, like I said, it could go either way. It could be a goal or two either way. It's going to be under 15 and a half points either way. Yeah. But I think West Coast win because Myers and those sorts of blokes, Rowan... Um, you know your men in goals and that will probably have a quite quieter games and have a big influence too much to too let to too few and West Coast have more even spread and get over the top there you go Geelong play their home ground better than anyone else obviously and they, they're defensive powerhouse this year first and foremost and as we talked about before that's your first pull you need to get right my well, my tip for this game is Geelong my bet would be West Coast to score between 61 and 75 points yeah. well West Coast uh, they averaged seventy six for the year, yeah, and they've well, only they've only really scored against well, poor really teams. Well, they got that right last week. They friggin' couldn't score. That's at all. right. But the only so Hawthorne beat. I reckon I haven't got the stats, but being there, it looked like Hawthorne smashed on at the ground ball stuff, and that's something that West Coast are pretty poor at. They are, in fact, they're last. So, so they lost a ground ball by fifteen per game this season to rank last in the league. So that, that's Deadlands. probably one thing that you can probably look forward to Geelong having up hand, which I think. Like I said, I haven't seen the stats, but watching at the game yesterday live, it looked like Hawthorne always had a number at the contest, especially in the first two, two and a half quarters when it was pretty even before yeah. it blew out a bit, but yeah. All right. We, we'll agree to disagree, which is always good for uh, for the tips come the end of the round. All right, on to our sure things, but we'll probably agree for most of these. Wednesday night, tomorrow night, we kick off with the Anzac Day Eve match. It's Richmond, $1.40 favourites against Melbourne. $2.80 outsiders. The line is only 16 and a half. Everything is going right for Richmond at the moment. After their early season adversity, they got back-to-back wins and Jack Rewalt returns. So they had the big two of the big four back for their match against Melbourne. Everything is going wrong for Melbourne and they're travelling so poorly, we don't need to talk about them. So, Baz, my only question for this game is, what's an acceptable margin for Richmond to win by? (laughs) If the first quarter of this game is going to be absolutely hot, because Melbourne have absolutely copped it. Absolutely. And they're going to come out firing and breathing fire. Will they? they They've they, copped it for three weeks straight. They will come out hard. Now, this is where the danger lies. And we spoke about this with Brisbane last week. Yeah. When when you get all pumped up and amped up because you finally get a big game and you want to respond, you can go too hard the other way. And you get too you get too anxious, you get too over the top. Richmond know that they're coming, know, and will be set up and ready for it. If Richmond can weather that storm initially and still be up by a couple of goals, it could be an absolute smashing because Melbourne will just drop right off. And Melbourne being an anxious team doesn't suit them. They already like love to dump kick. They already like to rush their forward entries. They already have one of the worst inside 50 efficiencies in the comp. They have no one to hit up. If, they're gonna, if they send McDonald back, which they probably should... They ha- they're going to have to rely on a Petrarca to play that utility role, but then that requires him to find leading patterns, which requires methodical ball movement and trust. It requires and, him to move. And, um, and to, that's savage. Uh, but yeah, oh, then, them being anxious and super amped and like rah, rah, rah before the game just plays into their deficits, like we saw on the weekend when they get sucked into the sinkhole. Everyone's trying to win their own ball. It's, it's Selfishness. Real, it's all. Well, it's what, yeah, in footy parlance they call jumping in the lifeboat. It's all about yourself. How do I stay in the team? How yeah. do I not end up on the review? How do I solve the problem? Not what's my role for the team? Yeah. And they've got some injury problems. They've had, made five changes this week as well. And we know what that number is. That's the magic number. That is the magic number. Regular listeners of the public know that after five changes, you don't win many very games. So. Your, your likelihood of winning drops by nearly 50 or 60% or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, Richmond will win. Again, I still think it might be close because, you know, the, the nature of the game and it's a big game and, and Melbourne have been under the pump all week and Richmond should respond. Richmond, for me, are probably premiership favourites at the moment. I think they're... The footy they play the last two weeks with some players that come back in, they're, they're right back on. And Ray Watts going to come in. You're and, okay, mate? Yeah, no, I am. I think Richmond are a bloody good side. I've watched them last couple of weeks and against Port and against Sydney... And I think they're almost back. And, you know, Martin played more time four, which helped as well. Katie played a bit more midfield, obviously, with some of the outs they had. They, they got to rotate. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how they use Rewalt on, on, on tomorrow night as well, because whether he comes back and plays forward, where, you know, they've, they've found a bit of a groove the last two weeks, and especially Lynch, 
or whether he goes up on a wing and just becomes that free, free, a bit more free flowing. Richie two point oh. Yeah, and he can get him going back because he's he's pretty smart, Jack as well, and like, he shits me as a footballer sometimes and, and as a person, but he's actually a good footballer and a smart footballer. He knows what what to do. So they're going to be dangerous, and I yeah, I, a part of me thinks that they might flog them, but I just feel that the we've seen a lot of teams in the last few, this year, especially cop it during the week and then bounce back with a win. And shut the media up after you know a week of bashing. But I reckon I reckon Melbourne's already burnt that card. I reckon you can only do that once in a season. They did against Sydney, Sydney yeah. And they celebrated that game way too hard. Yeah, we Result, it resulted that, in yeah. last week. I think they cooked for the season. And also in terms of a Styles make fight situation, this is a perfect game for Richmond. So Melbourne ranked last in the competition for retaining uh, kicks inside fifty. Richmond ranked first uh, for both one on one and defensive intercept marks inside their 50 in the league. So if they're going to be sloppy with their entry kicks, Richmond going to feast, burn them on the other end, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. And uh, my lock of the week would be Richmond to cover that 16 and a half. Yeah. Oh. All right, moving on to Thursday afternoon, your Anzac Day game. Big one for our friend Baz here. Essendon are hosts this year, nominal hosts. $2.50 outsiders, Collingwood, who everyone else has as the premiership favourites, are $1.50 favourites at the MCG in front of 100,000. The line here is a very slender 10.5 points. Now, Essendon's just pleasing the football world. 666 is here and it's here for Essendon. It's here for high score and footy. It's here for taking it on. It's here for like bursting out of the centre and kicking a goal. Buckley has already come out and rained on their parade and said, we're going to play Dow football. We're going to no, stop no, this one and go. He didn't say we're going to play Dow football. He said we're going to put it, we're going to put the, we're going to put the handbrake on We're going to try and put the handbrake on them, but we're not going to try and play Dow football. And so yeah. what's the key then? He said, and well, his direct quote was, we're going to win this game through old-fashioned grit. Yeah, That's just, pretty Dow football. No, it's not. You just bloody put the pressure on and, and hit them hard and make them feel like, they got every every time they get the footy, they they got like literally a split second to make a decision as they're gone. Yeah, and that's what you know. They're, they're, the last two weeks, their kicking has improved and their ball movement. They've played. I mean, to be honest, on the weekend, both teams played. You know, pretty much had training runs. Mm. We played Brisbane, who were pretty poor, especially after the first quarter, and North Melbourne were yuck. So both teams got through that game, but their games pretty much bruised free. I think we laid like 39 tackles or something ridiculous, which I'd like to see the last time it was we went through a game where we laid like 30 odd tackles. It was weird. It was a weird game of footy. But, uh, yeah, if we, we come hard and bring that uh, that contest and that that pressure that Essendon have also been bringing, it's going to be, again, another one where the first quarter or two is going to be really hard to you know, like, turn over footy because the pressure is so high and it's going to be an intense game. But I'll be pretty pissed off and shattered if we don't win because I think we're a better footy side and we've got more more winners across the ground. And for me, I think where, where it looks like it could be an interesting duel is especially down back for Essendon where they've got you know, Hooker and, and Hurley. Well, we don't really have a, a, a big out-and-out. Like we've obviously got Mason Cox, but you know, Degoe, Stephenson, Elliott all starting to find the footy and, and kick goals over the last two weeks. Majacek probably played his best game in a while, you know, on the weekend as well. So we've got lots of different looks coming through there. And obviously, then you have Penalty and Trelaw and Adams and those and Sidebottom all rolling through there as well. I think we're starting to get the midfield mix right. I think Goey's starting to go through there, which, you know, again, changes the look of our four line. So all that, for me, looks like that's where it's, where it's going to be won. And it's whether Joey turns up. You know, he played last week. Can he back up? He played all right as well. You know, he hasn't played a lot of footy lately, so it's generally the second or third game where you start mm. to feel the pinch. But I think you know Darcy Moore's gonna be set for that one, and it's just who else is gonna get their goals? And you know, surely Tipper and Orazio are the are the two dangers. Yeah, we've got Maynard and you know, Aish. If Aish gets up, hopefully he does. And Langdon, who are pretty smart, sort of backs him good at that sort of stuff. And you know, Maynard kept Cameron pretty quiet on the weekend. And again, I think our ruck. And midfield should dominate. And I just think we should be winning this sort of game. And you look at it paper on paper, paper, team versus team. But I mean, nothing like that's happened this year. So <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> uh, yeah, and all the, again, there's a very similar style of game: Richmond, Richmond, Melbourne, Collingwood, Essendon. You guys are methodical at the back line. You love it when they just bomb or hack kick or surge forward because then you pick it off and then you burn the other way. Yeah, but and Essendon have been a bit more methodical last. They two have, weeks. but only because they have played against teams that don't have. 
quite as good a system and yep. don't apply the pressure at the source. Yep. If there's any team at the moment that plays that four-step footy, it's Collingwood, and they, that will break down Eston's forward movement, in my opinion. They also rank uh, second last in offensive one-on-one wins, so they, they lose over a third of their one-on-ones. So as you said, like as much as they have dangerous players, I think Collingwood's backline are more than capable of shutting them down. And... Uh, Magpies are num- ranked number one in defensive one-on-one contests, so that just kind of proves that point. So, I'd also think that you're going to win at the source, and Brody, if you're looking at our Anzac Day medal markets, surely Brody Grundy, who is leading Collingwood in clearances this year, yep. he's had more clearances than Pendles yep. as a ruckman. Is he going? Is uh, surely your, your sneaky bet if that's your intention? Collingwood win, and I think I think we should win well. All right. Uh, any any dips at the under there, given Buckley's uh, mantra to keep it tight? Uh, no, I wouldn't be having the first two games. Oh, I'm tempted at Richmond, but I'm def- definitely no bet Collingwood Essendon. Anzac Day, stay just, away. Yeah, just t- 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 tip Collingwood and just watch. Fair enough. There we go. All right, Friday night, Port Adelaide versus North Melbourne. Port are a dollar twenty-five favourites as they should be. North are absolutely irrelevant, but their odds are three dollars seventy. They're playing at the Adelaide Oval. The line here a whopping four goals. Now Brad Ebert came out in the media this week and said that the Port players don't care about Jared Pollock. You know why? Fair enough. He went to an irrelevant team. Why yeah. would they care? And they also he also spoke about how they've won big games like they did you know, last week yeah. and, and round one and a few other games this year, but how they've lost the teams they should have beaten like Richmond and, yeah. and so on so I'd be expecting uh, I know again North have copped it now they're, even though they're a bit irrelevant and a bit of a myth team but it, I reckon Port will put them away I reckon it could be another another thrashing and uh, North will be very very busy place over the next couple of weeks with the rumours of starting to surface about uh, other coaches coming to coach from other clubs so um, yeah look forward to that yeah so yeah all of the North metrics are terrible. They rank 18th in like seven or eight KPIs. I'll cover the line North. Yeah. 24 and a half. Bang. Yeah. Port Adelaide to cover by 24 and a half. Lock that in. Probably one of the locks of the week. All right. Moving straight on. The Q Clash. Next lock of the week's right here. Because this is meant to be some absolute hot stuff. Top ticket sellout at Metricon. Uh, that probably won't happen now because I think the Suns are being found out to be that bottom 14 that we always knew they would be after a very admirable start to the season. I think they'll bounce back. But, but like, they're, not, they're, they in were, that, they're in that bottom bracket. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they're not, they're not a putrid. team that's going to stay in the top eight. They were putrid, yeah. Yeah. So, is there any angle you can find for a Suns upset here? Nah, Brisbane. Brisbane. Brisbane will want to bounce back after the last few weeks. But seeing players tweet apologising to fans for the effort they put up, means that they actually hurt and care and they are going to come out and probably flog Gold Coast here. And I know um, Stewie Jewell and the boys will be, you know, looking over the game and be very disappointed themselves with how they went about it. But there's a big, bit of a golfing class still, I think, here and a couple more of years of um, maturity and, and uh, experience and years in the system. And, yeah, I think Gold, Gold Coast could uh, cop another little shellacking this week. It won't be as bad as last week, though. Yeah. But I think Brisbane will comfortably cover the 15.5 line because as good as Gold Coast have been defensively, if Adelaide can cut them open like that, I think Brisbane are a lot more dangerous going forward than than Adelaide. Yeah, and especially especially when the Suns, all of the Suns' kind of ability to stay in games has been up to just that defensive intent and the defensive system. Yep. Once it does break down, it's, it's not like it's going to be a shootout. No. It's going to be a massacre. Yep. So, yeah. Lions, the obvious tip in that one. And the Lions only 15.5, so do with that what you will. Saturday night, lots of clashes this week. It's the clash round as well as Anzac Day round. Sydney are hosting GOS in the Battle for the Bridge. Sydney are home dogs, $2.65. Outsiders, the Giants, $1.44 favourites, despite their injury to Phil Davis. So who goes to the Budwar, or does it even matter anymore? Probably doesn't matter, because... Either way, Sydney won't score enough. JWS will look better. They'll be smarting after last week, JWS, because that was pretty shit what they, what they served up. And I thought they'd turn the corner and I, I gave them a big... Oh, know, we all bought... I bought I bought all the stocks. Yeah. I, I completely... And I just tanked it. And then they let you down. I, I, I actually, last week, I said word for word, you can trust West Coast, JWS and Geelong. 
West Coast Jervis absolutely let me down, and Geelong got the job done. But uh, yeah, I just can't see how Sydney. And the only one of those three teams you are tipping that you aren't tipping this week is Geelong, who didn't let you down. So yeah. go figure. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I can't see how Sydney win. Oh, at the moment it's it's Buddy or nothing. Buddy kicked four goals last week when they should. He should if it was any other player, they wouldn't have wouldn't have got near it. Mm. So yeah, I just can't see. I just can't see how GWS lose, and now they probably will. But they should they should cover that line. It's at the SCG, so you always look at unders and overs in this, at that ground, especially against Sydney. But I'd be leaving that line. It's pretty so much spot on. But I reckon GWS should cover the line there. If Melbourne can beat Sydney at Sydney, GWS should be able to do the job there as well. You'd absolutely imagine so. And especially with the Sydney team, it's not playing their Sydney way. So they're meant to be this contested bull team. This year, they've been smashed and outscored at clearance. So they're last at scoring from stoppages. They're second last in contested possession. That's meant to be their Sydney brand. They're in the middle of a rebuild, if I like it or not. Giants, however, other than the blip last week, they averaged, yeah, 59 points from intercepts. They were number one team in contested possessions. Uh, And they've outscored their teams by 97 points in opening quarters up until last week. So that's I think that's the GWS that you can trust. Everyone has a blip, everyone has a week off, that kind of thing. So they could come out and have this game done by quarter time. And, and it's a very good chance that Toby Green returns as well, which helps that four line with Finlayson playing the way he's playing, and and Jeremy Cameron playing yeah, the way he's playing, yeah. and then they've got the they got the cover down back to go to Buddy and do a team defence as everyone talks about. It. Their team defence is up and their ball movements up. Then City are in a bit of strife because they will score heavily against them on turnovers the way they move the footy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any bet there? I'm going to leave that one alone. Again, being a, a relatively unpredictable clash match. Yeah, it's, it's thirty and a half points is pretty pretty nice. But again, I think it'll be a close game. Maybe GWS won the thirty nine. I reckon. I reckon that bet could be pretty good this this week to tipsters if they tip aside and go one thirty nine. I reckon there's going to be many dumpings this week. Is it? And I think over the next couple of weeks we'll start seeing you know tipping get a bit easier as things start to even out and, and you'll start to figure out who the real good teams are and who the teams that are up early and start to drift drift away I think we're also seeing coaches kind of like pull the levers a bit and so we, we saw the two weeks ago it was a very dour weekend of football low scoring close games and then everyone I think most coaches just push that attack button to see okay well now we know how to defend can we learn to attack and obviously the game's opened up and there was some blowouts. Now I think they'll go back to the adjustments and stuff. Yeah. And then the next kind of fortnight, the levers will kind of reach there. Like, this is our sweet spot. Yeah. And then we'll start getting a bit more into our margins and total mark, uh, total, total points markets where we can kind of predict with a bit more confidence, yeah, margins and, and total score results. So watch that space in the next couple of weeks for that one. All right, moving on to another Saturday night game, Fremantle. Are $1.43 favourites against the Western Bulldogs. $2.70 outsiders. They're at Optus Stadium. And the line here is also a very slender 15 points. Why is it only 15 points, given that the Doggies just lost to Carlton? Because Fremantle, apart from round one and the weekend just gone, have struggled to score. Yeah, so that's 60% of the time as opposed to 40% of the time. And Fremantle will win because Dave Mundy's playing his 300th game. Well done. I think he's the only Western Australian player to play 300 games other than Pavlich. Yeah, that's played for a Western Australian club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Solely for a Western Australian club. Yeah. yeah. So well done to him. And I, I just, I can't, again, this is what this happened the other week um, when Fremantle won round one. They got th- they got beaten by Gold Coast round two. But surely Freo of last week at Optus Stadium uh, with how they been, how they played last week and in round one, they're good enough to. Ross Lyon lets him go and they just fuck the doggies. Yeah, I don't see how the I don't see what the doggies can do to stop Frio. Because even when the doggies win the ball, they don't score. Yeah, and Frio's like, it's like it's like it's just such a Surely surely Trengo has to come in for the doggies. It, whether he plays back or he plays ruck. They just need some height somewhere, anywhere. Bring they just need Sha- a bailout Bring Shaki back in. But he copped a fair bit last night on a few of the shows, Bevo, about how he never sticks to any of his tools he never gives him mm. an extended run he gives him like two or three weeks I wonder if he's a bit like uh, the clip we've seen today of Rocket Eat I don't know if, I don't think it's a piss take on Rocket but with the Will Minson, Will, Will Minson thing but uh, 
wonder if he has that bit of belief that tools don't belong in the game. He should be all shorts. And But Caleb Daniel playing, you know, he got caught out again a few times like he did the week before against Collingwood playing on the, on the, on the, the, as the last defender, which is just, you know, he's four foot nothing in the block. Mm. So a few things need to change there. And I'll just, if Freeman will bring the same if, and it's a big if with Freeman, but if they bring the same sort of food they played last week, they will do a number on the doggies. And I, the line of 15 and a half won't be enough. Even the overs, I reckon I'll be going overs. If it's going to be a nice day in uh, Perth, the doggers, Doggies could be in strife because A, again, they don't score, and B, I just don't think they've got the defence to stop the Freo forwards, especially Materia who's starting to turn it around. Walters is a gun. You know, Langdon played a really good game. you got Fife, Mundy, just Lobb, and yeah. And even Jesse Hogan played, played his best game for Freo and probably one of his best games for a good year and a bit. So, mm. um, yeah, Freo are flying, and they should really flog the Doggies. And I think the only way the Doggies would win this game is that they can finally score from their clearance dominance. Yep. Unfortunately for them, that's Freo's strength. So it's not them scoring, it's them not conceding. They've conceded just five points to their opposition from centre-bounds clearances this year. And just was, five. Was, so even in that open environment, they still don't get scored against. That was something that, that you know, Carlton, especially in the first mm. half, flogged the Doggies with. Mm. So you think there's you know, a bit, bit of trouble there. It's because they've got a ruckman who's... Nothing against English, like he's still learning the craft. Yeah. He's probably another year or two away, but he's getting mauled at the stoppages and like the ruck contests. And there's only so many times you can shark the opposition ruckman before he starts tapping it ta- to advantage, ta- changing up his style. And you don't want to be tapping it to advantage to five, so no. or Monday. Uh, so obviously the free has the tip there. Do you yeah. are you going to nibble at the line? Yeah, probably. Will, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll come out, come out in the um, the bet section. I think. Lovely. Bit of suspense there. All right. And to our 50-50 pick of the round, St Kilda are $1.80 favourites. That's right. They are favourites. They are equal first on the ladder. Yeah, the is, lid is wobbling. The lid is off. The fans are celebrating. This is where a different bit of pressure comes on St Kilda now. Yes. They are hosting... Expectation. They are hosting Adelaide, who are $2 outsiders. They're at Marvel Stadium. The line here is a very slender one and a half. Now, after St Kilda's have defied the pre-season predictions of doom and gloom, and I've already apologised on every platform I possibly can. You're obviously going to win more than zero games this year. They are now turning their focus to finals, which, as you said, is a different different mission, a different task, different challenge ahead. Is it too much too soon, though, against a Crow side that clearly got their mojo back against the Suns? They weren't playing anyone. Um, I know, but they got, they got their mojo back. Yeah. They got some goals, they got some smiles again. Maybe they got a little bit too arrogant, the Crows. Maybe they got a little bit too bathwater drinking. They did lose to North Melbourne a couple of weeks ago at Telstra. Uh, at Marvel, sorry. Marvel Stadium. The Crows, yeah. The Crows. Uh, St Kilda playing good footy. Have they played anyone yet? They've got Melbourne Essen in the good times. They beat Gold Coast just. They beat Freeman or just, which you know, over there stacks up, I suppose. But yeah, they, they got the they got expectations now to win. Mm-hmm. And I think... Yeah, the starting favourites. Crows haven't been great, and there's a bit of, gu- bit of shit going on up there as well. We know Jenkins and Gibbs the last two weeks have come out and spoken publicly about their disappointment of being dropped and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, good on them for I mean, Jenkins, especially. has always been pretty upfront and honest with his comments in the media, which is good. Um, yeah, this is generally the only game this week where I looked at it and go, oh, I can't decide. You can't decide. I'm probably going to tip St Kilda, but I. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Adelaide win. The same Adelaide team that lost to North Melbourne. Yeah, I just. I what? Still, what? Where? Other than other than just your disbelief that St Kilda can possibly be good when not an underdog. Jalen Gear is here, so he's and from what my understanding, of what injury he had, four to six weeks is a lot of poppycock. They they sliced his leg open. <laughs> he, I was like they legitimately yeah. just cut. You know, it's like not very scientific what they did. No. They just went. We need to get this blood out of all the muscles. We'll just cut you open. History shows this injury. It's pretty much season done. Mm. Uh, Jack Stephen, you know, he's probably playing at 80% and playing bloody well. But it's the same argument I've got with St. Kilda that would along there. Blokes that have had, you know, most of these blokes have been in the system for four, five, six years. Yeah. And now they're only starting to play good footy. Yeah. How long can this stay? Because they've shown nothing, apart from probably, you know, 
Billings like there's talk of Billings getting a massive contract now this bloke was playing Rezies last year yes he's playing great footy now but like you gotta just gotta, Sebastian Ross is probably the only like one of them and Gresham probably the only ones in that top 10 other than Jack Stephen obviously who you can look at and go they've had been consistent over a, a, a good period of time yeah with their footy but why can't they just be good for a year this is gonna be the a Bulldogs won a premiership doing that they had the players that were good for a year and then they dropped off and that's yeah. why they can't where they are. Richmond where people were getting angry for this. Like they were they were very they were elite for a year yeah. and now they're very good to top four. Yeah. But they're not at the same level as what they were when they won yeah. it for that for that period either side. But I, I just and even West Coast last year rose to a point where the kids came in and they also had a flourishing. I think you can have a purple patch that can last more than five weeks. They they've done some good recruiting though. They got that Wilkie um Patton, who actually I found out is a relation to one of my nineteens. Uh, throw that in there, her head <laughs> bubble. <laughs> um, and Parker, who had a quiet game the weekend, but like they've gone and got some really good mature age recruits which balances this team up a bit. Uh, I think Brownie's out as well. Brown might have injured himself, so they've, they've lost a key defender. So you know he doesn't do a lot of stuff with the ball, but he does take generally the, the, the number one tall. So how does that line up now without any real key to- or key defensive tools? But we know that that doesn't matter. So to flip it, this is the whole reasons why St Kilda, who are equal first and letter, shouldn't win against an yeah. Adelaide team that's done bugger all other than beat up on a team they should have beat up on anyway. Yeah. So how do you fit, like, what what has fixed that Adelaide forward line? Nothing. They didn't have Jenkins playing ever starters, and Hugh Greenwood finally got a crack after dominating uh, Sample for a bit. But like that, that Eddie, forward, Eddie that forward line's Betts, not fixed, though, is it? No, Eddie Betts flicked the switch for his Stroudworth, which was predictable. And then you saw, and you know, young Michael Murphy kicked three, but and, and Walker finally showed something. Um, so the top two defensive team in St Kilda, the number one contested team, the number one pressure team, all right, you're talking, should not should not let an Adelaide side who has been slow with the footy. Who yeah, lacks speed on the outside? Who's been inefficient at kicking it forward? Whose forwards have done nothing. <laughs> this is, this is, this we can't logic. just pick on myths, though, bro. Logic, logic, logic. This year hasn't worked, and I've gone with my gut a fair bit, and it's been proven right. All right, well, you go your gut then. You go with Adelaide. Stay with it. Oh, no, stay I, with I, it. I just said I'll tip. No, 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 no. You got to stay with your gut now. Don't, no, don't said, change. That's a good thing, mate. Oh, right, well, fine. You go Adelaide. I'll go St Kilda, and I'll be happy. Now I've got my stats in front of me that St Kilda back it up. And then we're going to have a couple of split tips for the round to make things nice and juicy. Double your money and make a stack. On to the next one. On to the next one. Money making time. So we join forces now. We've been fighting for a little bit for a change. This is pleasant. But now... On to our feature bets for round six. A little check-in with our uh, head bubble bet, which is kind of wobbling now. You said it very early in the year that if you backed Carlton and Gold Coast Suns to score between 61 and 75 points each and every week of the season, you'd be a very rich man. Now, you're still ahead because it's quite a profitable bet if it comes off, yep. but you have struck out two rounds in a row. Uh, this week, Carlton, 61 and 75, is paying $2.88. They're playing against Hawthorne at the Tassie, which could be a goer. And Gold Coast are paying three dollars thirty uh, for sixty-one to seventy-five. So definitely a chance that you get two greens and the multi and get well back in in front. But you're still twenty-eight uh, percent in front anyway. All right. So on to your bets for round six. What's your multi? We'll start there. My multi. Well, this is big exotic, but listen up. So Port at the line, which is twenty-four and a half. Brisbane at the line, fifteen and a half. Freer at line 15.5, Hawthorne at line 9.5, West Coast at line of 15.5, which gives you uh, $24.76. Very, very exotic indeed. I've got some of those. Mine's two coveralls. There you go. Mine's a bit more reserved. Uh, Richmond to cover, Collingwood to cover, Fremantle to cover, paying a more sensible $6.85. So other than your $25 roughy multi, what do you have a single roughy for the week? Uh, my single roughie is... No, my best value, sorry, is Richmond 1 to 39. Yep. My roughie will be Fremantle plus 39.5, mm-hmm. which is uh, playing $3.75. 
And my best bet of the weekend is Fremantle line at ninety. There you go. My value bet is West Coast to score between 61 and 75 points in at Cadinia Park, $2.88. And my sure thing is the Anzac Day game to go under 175 and a half points at $1.90. All right, that's our round six feature bets, and that's our round six feature pod done. If you have your own picks, your own tips you want to get on the pod, hit us up on Twitter at SC underscore mag underscore Oz or on our Facebook page. Jump in the free live app. We're available on all those platforms. And if all else fails, you can see us down at the Yorkshire Hotel and we can talk some uh, footy nuffy knowledge face to face.